What time is it? Let me check my watch. Oh, it's bone o'clock. In olden days, a glimpse of femur was only for morbid dreamers, but you're not alone. Bring anything bones. Two goofy gals with deathly interest go on a skeleton inquest in your headphones. Anything bones. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Anything Bones. I'm Sophie Schwartz. I'm Caitlin Hart. Welcome to our podcast. This is the show where we talk about skeletons and the things they're made of. Oh, bones. Yes, correct. <laughs> Today we have a very special guest with us on Ye Old Pod. Uh, he's a Seattle comedian and he's the host of Everything's Fine Tonight Live with Jordan Eskenazi. Jordan Eskenazi. Hey, it's me. It's me. It's Jordan Eskenazi. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Bones podcast. Thank you so much. I'm very excited to be here. I have bones in my person and I think I know a little bit about bones and sometimes I have bones to pick with various people, but not on this show. Not on this okay. show. No. Well, you know, we always foster healthy debate on anything bones. So if there's bones to be picked, I got my pick and stick. Hell yeah. Well, I'm very controversial and I have very controversial opinions. So we'll see if, if we'll have to debate anything today. Honestly, I want to, sorry, I want us to have more beef with people on this podcast, <laughs> if possible. You want to put some beef on those bones? <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Well, let's see. Yeah, well, I'm here to, if I need to bring some beef, I'm ready. I won't hold back. Well, this is this is this has always been a beefy podcast. <laughs> I don't know. I wanted to quickly talk about just like before we began, because I was messaging you when we were kind of talking about what direction to go with this episode, and I learned that you are a true crime head and a and a murder and a murder murder lover, <laughs> and a, a lover of true crime from way back. Yeah, it's, it's ingratiated in my DNA and RNA and whatever other NAs are in me. Um, when I was a small child, my mom would watch, she'd watch like hard copy and current affair and inside edition uh, every time we ate dinner. And it was always like about how this woman's husband murdered her and we'd be watching it. <laughs> I was like 11 years old. I was like, okay, this is normal, I guess. And then I'd go in my mom's bedroom and she had a whole bookcase after bookcase of true crime books. And this was like in 1992 and stuff like that. And so like, I specifically remember a book about this lobster boy that killed people. What? You know about lobster boy? No. With what the, about with the, um, with yeah, the, the hands? Yeah. yeah. The hand, the genetic hand uh, situation. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I looked him up for this show, but he didn't have any, like, bone stuff, sadly. <laughs> I'm sorry, are we talking about fucking Johnny Tremaine? Who is this? I don't know. I don't remember what his name is, but I think he was literally called the Lobster Boy. Grady so, Styles, is that ooh. it? Yeah, Grady so Styles. These were true crime books, or were they, like, mystery novels? They were all true crime. Every okay, one okay. of them was a true crime. Like, I would just go in... I would be a young boy bringing my report card to my mother. And she'd put down her book about how this woman brutally murdered her children. 
um and be like great that congratulations jordan you got an a that's great let me read my book again get out of here i'm reading about <laughs> death i actually thought my mom was like a ghost or a monster or something because she was so into that stuff at such a young <laughs> age <clears throat> so i was a big little wussy little kid like everything scared the shit out of me i thought my mom was a ghost which scared me too and so i didn't ask yeah. her about it because i was too scared why but would then you? as i yeah, I mean, what am I supposed to, like, I don't need to know if you're no. a ghost, mom. But then I had, like, then I got, like, HBO and Showtime in my bedroom, also at a very young age. And Ooh. so I watched, like, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre at, like, 12 years old and all these scary movies. So, and it used to scare the hell out of me. Like, I, it fucked me up. But now nothing scares me anymore because of that. So... You- yeah, you desensitized yourself to being scared. Yeah, I want like. to get that feeling again, you know? <laughs> but it's not happening. So I don't You got to chip through that leathery chitin of uh of murder knowledge. I do. I need to or I just need to get murdered. I don't know. <laughs> oh no. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> Jordan, you got to be sleeping with a baseball bat and a knife after saying something like that. You're right. You're right. right. (laughs) But yeah, so my mom, I told my mom I was going to be on a true crime podcast. She's very excited. So, yeah. You think she'll listen? Probably not. She doesn't like me in any way. (laughs) Yeah, no. I just got, (laughs) yeah. I have to send her, I have to make sure to like send her the link and then she'll, yeah, yeah. My, so, yeah. my my mom actually wants the link to the last Everything's Fine that I was on. Oh, hell yeah. yeah. Twitch.tv slash fine tonight live. Hey. <laughs> Type it in your computer and mm-hmm. deal with it. We've got Lobster Boy coming on next month. It's going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I will play Lobster Boy. No joke. Hell yeah. Yeah, he died in 1992, it looks like, unfortunately. Rest uh, in peace. Yeah, oh, well, you know, maybe I'm his resurrected soul because I was born in 93, baby. <gasps> Lobster girl. Lobster girl, I'm back. <laughs> click, 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 click. That's shit. me coming to get you. Oh, no. Scuttling across the tank. <laughs> we're, now we're going to have to do this story because people will want to know about the dangerous and sexy lobster boy. <laughs> You know, there's even more to it. Like his, uh, we'll just spoil a little bit, but it looks like his grandson, another lobster boy, married a bearded <gasps> lady. So, you know what? Keeping it on Happy brand. Happy yes. Dreams do come true. Yeah. Aww. Well, my dream is to talk bones. Should we get into it? Let's do it. We can. Yeah. I'm going to go, I'm going to start this off right here. I'm going to talk to you today about a lady murderer oh do you want to know who it is <laughs> yes oh. i'd never <laughs> it's a lady it's a lady who murders or a person who murders ladies i'm just trying good to question understand. good question it is a lady mm. who murders okay cool very cool her name was maria manning i don't know Ooh. if anybody this was somebody i'd never heard of before and some places some one source referred to her first name as marie but two of the, my sources referred to her as Maria. So I'm just going to go for the, huh. the odds there. It's probably Maria. Yeah, choose your own adventure on that one. <laughs> my sources were an article from Ranker, which kind of started this whole thing. Uh, the article was called 10 Ruthless Black Widow Killers Whose Crimes Made History. <laughs> <laughs> and then obviously I latched on to one of the 
one of the 10 Black Widow killers. And then I went over to capitalpunishmentuk.org. <laughs> Got my other source. Isn't that your homepage? Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's my website that I wrote, actually. Oh, okay. Got it. <laughs> I was going to say, catch me on those forums. <laughs> my last source was from uh, suffolknews.co.uk. Um, and that word is spelled Southwark for us Americans. But I believe <laughs> that the English say Suffolk. Or Interesting. South, I don't know. If I'm if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. <laughs> there's nothing that can be. There's no, honestly, Caitlin. There's no way of knowing. How there's no way to pronounced. look at. No, uh, it's too late now. <laughs> I've already made a fool of myself. So Maria's maiden name was Deru, uh, not Larue, the popular <laughs> singer. <laughs> she was born in Switzerland in 1821, and she moved to London to be a lady's maid to a lady named. Lady Blantyre? Blanter? Mm. Sorry. Lady Blantyre, oh, the yes. daughter of the Duchess of Sutherland. <laughs> so she's a lady's maid. It sounds like ladies' maids were kind of on the, if there's a hierarchy of servants, ladies' maids are kind of up there. So she spent a lot of time with her lady and developed a taste for riches and a luxurious life. Um, maybe a little bit above her means, but it was fine. She was really scared of poverty. I mean, I don't blame her. I'm not. Aren't we, you're not? <laughs> no way. I was literally just about to say, aren't we all? And no you way. say, I'm not. <laughs> Who's afraid of poverty? Come on. <laughs> Jordan Eskenazi, not afraid to be poor. <laughs> Cut to two days. Can I please borrow a dollar? I <laughs> need something. I'm Listen. <laughs> please. <laughs> the ponies i played the ponies now. <laughs> i'm destitute you see it's true yeah, i'm a i'm a gambling man it's true <laughs> doing a lot of pony gambling in the pandemic i've gambled away many a pony <laughs> <laughs> i bet you two ponies i could throw this rock over the fence <laughs> i couldn't do it, couldn't do it. <laughs> goodbye sprinkles and buttercup Oh, boy. <laughs> All right. Back to the 1800s. Yes. <laughs> in 1846. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know about these times. Maria went on a boat with her employer across the channel to Bologna. I think that's how you say it. Mm -hmm. uh, phonetically, it's Bulogna. So. <laughs> um, in Italy? I don't know. Across the channel. Yeah, maybe. Or like okay. in France, possibly. I could have looked it up. Anyway. On this boat trip to where the fuck ever, she meets 50-year-old Irishman Patrick O'Connor. And he is a hot, wealthy customs officer at the London docks. And he was also, it sounds like he had this job, but he also had like maybe family money or something. So she was like, hell yeah. Because mm. remember, she does not want to be poor. She's afraid no. of it. She's very afraid. And so she was like, okay, what's up, Mr. O'Connor? She probably called him Patrick, actually. And she suggested that the next time that he was in London, like, they should meet up and hang out, whatever. So a few months later, he takes her out to dinner in London. Oh, shit. She's seeing somebody else. Uh-oh. Yeah. His that name is Frederick George Manning, who works as a guard on the Great Western Railway, which he's not really as wealthy as uh, Patrick O'Connor is. 
Yeah, it sounds like Patrick is more of a sugar daddy type, and the other one is maybe a rough and tumble railroad boy. It's maybe yeah. hot because he's dirty. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I look for in a potential partner. Are you hot because you're dirty? Yeah, how much dirt you got on you, sir? Yeah. How many railways do you work on? <laughs> Let me rub that dirt away, see if you're hot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so I'm including this quote, even though I don't like it. <laughs> quote, both men were taken with the plump Swiss maid, both making proposals to her over the next couple of weeks. And yeah. But why? And plump is in quotes in this, in this article. So it's like, you guys, where did you get this? I don't know. I feel like at this time, male writers were really into describing the like, I don't want to say girth of a lady, but like the- What else are you going to talk the, about? Her dimensions. Yeah. Because I'm guess. reading, I'm reading The Great Gatsby for another project, but they are obsessed with calling women plump and like shapely and round and it's like can you stop weird. yeah that's weird i just know like voluptuous and uh i don't know i haven't seen many curvaceous, plumps. curvaceous bodacious <laughs> thick. <laughs> thick yeah, we like, yeah. <laughs> we like that one okay my note next says who's this bitch gonna pick <laughs> it's a good old-fashioned game of what is it 1800s bachelor yeah yeah there's just two left uh we're down to frederick who is uh, about the same age as her but quote was the weaker character mm. <laughs> o'connor yeah sorry it said that in a couple places too that he had a weak character and i'm like what God. is that yeah. yeah it couldn't mean anything but how shitty is it that that's your legacy <laughs> I'm I'm halfway there. <laughs> I don't Jordan think so. Eskenazi, he was weak of was character. Weak, yeah. Yep. <laughs> um, so Patrick O'Connor was older, but also a heavy drinker, so he did have that flaw there. And Frederick, the weaker character, promised Maria that he was going to come into some money soon because he was going to inherit it from somebody. He was going to kick the bucket. Apparently, hmm. do you think he ever got that money? I'm going to guess no. No, but it didn't matter because they got married in 1847. Ooh. <laughs> so Maria Derue becomes Marie. I keep interchanging what her names are. Sorry, Maria. Maria Derue becomes Maria Manning. And after a little while, she's like, oh, shit, he's not. He's not going to be rich. There's where like I'm going to be poor. What am I going to fucking do? She does still keep in contact with Patrick O'Connor and pretty much every source I looked at was like, yeah, they were boning. And a lot of sources said that her husband was like, okay with it. I don't know. Hell yeah. Um, so he would, <laughs> <laughs> hell yeah. Patrick would come over to their house for dinner all the time, I guess, as their little triad grew, uh, whatever. <laughs> Something was happening there. Something was happening there, and I wish we could know a little bit more, but we don't. Yeah, um, what were they doing? What were those dinners like? Yeah, what were those dinners like? Were they all having sex together? I I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm getting way off track. <laughs> well, I mean, which one was the weak character again? The was husband, Frederick. So he definitely, like, cooked all... He, like, was, like, the guy filming it, I think. <laughs> Yes. He was the one coming back out being like, you guys ready for dessert? No, yeah. looks like you're still doinking. Here's a towel. 
Do you yeah. want some coffee? <laughs> yeah. yeah, coffee's ready, guys. <laughs> okay, so she brooded about this for about two years and, you know, kind of who knows what was going on with her husband and her lover or whatever. Anyway, at some point along the way, she decides, you know, I think I made the wrong choice. I married the wrong person. But I think I deserve that guy's money, so I'm going to do a murder. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No. She she and her husband, Frederick, plot to kill her lover, Patrick. Wow. Whoa, that's not how I thought this was going to go. Cool. I'm glad I could surprise you still. I thought weak character was going to kick it for sure. Yeah, yeah. Weak. I think that's just good s- storytelling. Yeah, weak no. character. <laughs> weak character means, I mean, it just means that, I mean, you can still plot a murder. It just means you suck. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I think if I, if I, in all my research, I can't guarantee this, but I think he was the accomplice and she was the mastermind. Of course. Kind of seems yeah. like the whole thing was her idea. Um, and he maybe just went along with it. Who knows? Anyway, mm-hmm. so July 1849, a large, <laughs> they call it a bushel of lime, like, like lie comes to them. And then on August 9th, a shovel was delivered. And then on that day, <laughs> Maria's like, hey, Patrick, do you want to come over for one of our special dinners? And Uh-oh. he's like, yeah, perfect. No, he says, hell yes. <laughs> but he was actually, he, uh, he brought a friend to the dinner. So oh. they couldn't kill him because there was a witness. Damn it. <laughs> he brought, this is why you don't bring outsiders to the orgy. Yeah, what the hell? <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> and rude. Yeah, who does that? You're just going to bring somebody to dinner orgy unannounced? Like, who are you? Who do you think you are? It's like, well, I heard there was a bushel of lie here. So. <laughs> You're not supposed to know. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he still, he still showed up. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I heard about the shovel, too. What are you guys doing? You got that shovel out. delivered today. Let me try it out. Anyway, Maria... <laughs> I'm sorry. Maria asks him to come back the next day for dinner again so they could, you know, do whatever they need to do. (laughs) And don't bring anybody. Come on. Come alone. (laughs) Yes. It's just going to be me and you and my husband. (laughs) Like it's supposed to be. (laughs) Okay, so... When he comes over the next evening, Maria says, oh, it might be a good idea for you to wash your hands before our little meal, pookie or whatever she says. <laughs> and as he's standing at the sink, she shoots him in the head with her pistol. The bullet wound didn't kill him and her husband finished off the job with a crowbar. Jesus. <clears throat> yep. Weak of character, I don't think so. To kill I, somebody I mean, with a crowbar? Yeah, yeah. Oh, so like to just beat somebody to death who's been shot in the head is yeah. pretty fucked up. I'm pretty weak a character, but I can't even kill a spider, man. No, I wouldn't want to do this. <laughs> no, <geez>. so <laughs> and they had planned ahead. They really this was very much premeditated. They pre-dug the grave below their kitchen, which like you guys could <laughs> you want to go anywhere but your house, like a, a, the backyard, <laughs> a field, anywhere yeah. but your own house. Rookie mistake. Yeah. They cover the body with the lime, which was supposed to speed decay of the flesh. And then apparently they just sat down and ate their dinner like nothing had happened. 
this is alleged, hmm. but you know, I, I like to think it happened. So the next morning, Maria goes over to her lover's house and she loads up hundreds of pounds of quote cash, gold watches, chains, and foreign railway bonds. Jesus. So she just takes everything <laughs> for herself. Wow. She really does not give a shit about being conspicuous, does she? No, she doesn't give a fuck. And then some work buddies of Patrick visit the Manning's house a few days later and they go, have you seen Patrick? Nobody's heard from him in a while. And we all know that he was coming over here for one of your dinners. <laughs> uh, for the listeners out there, I did air quotes. <laughs> Obviously, they deny to these friends that they've seen Patrick. They do say that he had dinner with them, but they say, oh, I haven't seen him since the dinner. And they are super worried because they think the colleagues are actually detectives. So they're like, fuck, we got to get out of here. So Maria tells her weak husband, Frederick, to go and sell the furniture. We're getting the fuck out. But after he leaves, the bitch packs up and leaves herself. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's how you do it. <laughs> And apparently took three trunks worth of possessions with her. And she hops over to King's Cross and goes to Edinburgh. And when Frederick gets home and realizes that she's not there anymore, he goes to Jersey on a boat. Mm-hmm. Why? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's weird. Well, I mean, he's got to get the fuck out too. And now he's on his own. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. We already know he's probably, he's got his suitcases in his hand. He's crying the whole way. Yeah. Yeah. And he was probably listening to the Garden State soundtrack anyway. So he's like, I might as well just go to Jersey. I'm so sad. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, she made me murder a guy and then she left me. I'm so so weak and dirty. (laughs) (laughs) So, of course... The, the police connect all the dots. They go over to the Manning's house and notice that one of the flagstones in the kitchen still has wet uh, mortar around it. So, of course, right away, they're like, they find Patrick's body and they know exactly what happened to him. So <laughs> they send a telegram over to the Scots, the Scottish authorities, to be like, look out for this woman, Maria Manning. And they're like, oh, sorry, we actually already have her in custody. (laughs) (laughs) Because she was, she raised suspicions because she was trying to sell all of Patrick's stuff. And so people reported her, I guess, and she was locked up. Her husband was also caught and apparently said to the police, quote, I never liked him, so I battered his head with a ripping chisel, which is another word for crowbar. Whoa. I never liked him, so I battered him with a rippling chisel, see? (laughs) Very cool. (laughs) I got out my rippling chisel and I rippled his Wow. So this was a crazy murder, shocked Victorian England, and it became known as the Bermondsey Horror. Oh. The Bermondsey Horror. Of course, they go to trial. They try to blame each other for the crime. And then I think they both kind of expected that the other one would take the fall, but nobody ever did. Maria was obviously accused of being greedy, killing her lover for his money. Her husband was you know, accused of acting out of jealousy because of this affair that they were most likely having. At the end of the trial, it took 45 minutes for the jury to find them guilty. Oh. 
(laughs) And apparently Maria shouted after the verdict was read, quote, you have treated me like a wild beast of the forest. (laughs) Wow. Wait, for finding her guilty of killing that guy? Yeah, which she did. They're like, weird. We found his body in your base or in your kitchen. Like, no, you were selling his shit. You did it. Like, you're not being treated treated like a beast. (laughs) Being treated like a a criminal. Yeah. (laughs) That's gonna be my retort to everything now, though. You've treated me like a wild beast in the forest, (laughs) ma'am. We just need you to pay for that milk. Yeah, (laughs) ma'am. This is a Wendy's. Come on. (laughs) Can you move it along? (laughs) <laughs> so then they went after they were convicted they were taken to this place has a crazy name horsemonger lane gowl <laughs> to await execution <laughs> of course i hang out there all the time horsemonger i don't know what was going on there other than executions but it couldn't have been good were they selling um, horses there i don't think so i think it was where people were executed or it was like the name of the prison i'm Hmm. sorry i don't know that's okay when we're done if you could look that up just so i could get some more horses to bet uh (laughs) yeah that really helped me out yeah for sure and then also i'm gonna look up some tattoo artists for you to get horsemonger oh yes right here if possible on my forehead yes Uh, So apparently she asked the people at the horsemonger jail how they liked her performance in court, which, you know, who knows if that actually happened. She was considered a suicide risk in the time between her trial and execution. So she had to be guarded by three ladies who slept in the cell with her. And she hated that, obviously. And then this, this is crazy. I'm just going to say it as a quote. Quote, she was able to lure them into a false sense of security and had let her fingernails grow. While they were asleep, she tried to strangle herself and puncture her windpipe with her own hands. And it took the combined efforts of all three of the women to stop her. Holy wow. shit. Yeah. That's insane. <laughs> yeah. It sounds really gross and hard. That wouldn't, uh, uh, I don't know. That, that sounds yucky. Yeah, like even just choking yourself is crazy, but even trying to do that, that actually sounds like something that an animal in the wild would do. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. Bringing it full circle. She became what she put out into the world, I guess. Yikes. (sighs) God, that's hardcore though. (laughs) To try to slate your own throat with With your your long ass fingernails. Yeah. (laughs) I wonder how long, I wonder how long they were. Wonder what yeah. Well, but I mean, she couldn't have been there more than a few weeks. Exactly. So, like, yeah. I don't know. I think this story is interesting, but I'm prone to skepticism with mm-hmm. a lot of this stuff from the 1800s. She's just poking herself in the neck going, I'm stabbing myself! <laughs> Maybe you she fuckers sh- will never get me. <laughs> Maybe she sharpened it. I don't know. There has to be something yeah, more to it yeah. there's something there, but yeah. that's fucking, that's hardcore. Nasty. Apparently, so she wrote a letter to Queen Victoria saying, please pardon me. She wrote a letter to her husband saying, honey, please just take the fall for all of this and die for me, okay? Um, he didn't. Not that we- yeah, not that weak world, apparently. No, no. So the two of them were executed side by side on Tuesday, the 13th of November in 1849. They were hung. And it is estimated that... 30 to 50,000 people came to see this shit go down. Wow. Yeah. 
And they were the first husband and wife hung together in England since 1700, which brought up more questions than it answered, I kind of think, because I'm like, who was the other couple in 1700? Yeah, that's um, also probably an interesting story. Yeah, yeah. Another, another time. We're almost done here. Maria wore black satin on the gallows, and apparently the popularity of black satin dresses decreased after this, this happened. <laughs> but uh, we're, you know, that's grain of salt there. <laughs> it's claimed that they actually kissed on the gallows just to like make up right before they died, but I'm not sure. The last thing I'm going to say in the crowd was a, a young Charles Dickens. Charles Dickens was there to see this execution, and he actually wrote about it. He said, quote, I was a witness of the execution at Horsemonger Lane this morning. I believe that a sight so inconceivably awful as the wickedness and levity of the immense crowd collected at that execution this morning could be imagined by no man. So he was very vocal against public hangings, and those were abolished a few years later in 1868. And he also based a character in uh, Bleak House off of Maria Manning. Wow. Yeah. So that's, that's Maria, or Marie, the bitch in, what's that name? What's the name of the place? I know. Horsemonger? <laughs> the bitch of Horsemonger. <laughs> <laughs> the, bitch of, the bitch of Horsemonger Lane. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, she was, she's a badass. It, it sounded like she was just way too obsessed with not being poor. And then mm-hmm. I think that goes with what she was shouting before she died or whatever, like, or in court, you're treating yeah, me yeah. like an animal in the wild. Like she thinks she needed to be treated special because she was rich. Special. Yeah. Special. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, just like the carelessness, which all of this was carried out. Like she, so she orders her lie and she orders her shovels and they're delivered to her house and there's record of that. Then she's like, oh honey, we're gonna run away together. And then she dips to Scotland by herself and starts Mm -hmm. selling all of her stuff as fast as she can. No wonder she was caught so quickly. Like, yeah, she didn't think it out. She only managed to get uh, get one murderer under her belt because she was a stupid. Mm, she's still pretty <laughs> badass, though. Yeah, yeah. Cool. I I thought you would enjoy that, Jordan, because I heard that you were. I heard what Sophie was talking about earlier about and like watching shows about husbands killing wives, and I thought this was kind of an interesting twist Definitely. on a story about that. Yeah, I love it. Love it. I love it because it's like it's kind of the like it's kind of cliche that like everything <laughs> is about like the husband killing their, like, it's just all like that. So yeah, anytime the wife can kill the husband, it's uh, it's pretty fun. It's a relief. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Finally. Thank God. <laughs> it's like, oh, she's going to kill him. Okay. Phew. All right. Cool. I'll keep watching. <laughs> I'll keep watching. Oh, I got to get my sweater. I'm cold. Get that sweater because we're about to get very chilly with my tail. Oh, yeah. Where are we going? What are we doing? Folks, we're going to Russia oh. in 1959 in, in a location called the Dyatlov Pass. Ah, oh, my God. <laughs> well, then I'm getting my snow boots, too. You might need to get some boots and some, uh, some mittens going because, uh, yeah, it's chilly here. Yeah, the Dyatlov Pass incident, folks. I read about this in like a cracked article like 13 years ago. And that's how, <laughs> that's how I know what this is. And I, I Googled the cracked article just to see what it, what it was. 
And the title of it was Six Famous Unsolved Mysteries with Really Obvious Solutions. Oh, okay. So they I seem would love to, think, to see, yeah, what yeah, they, they think s- about it. seem to think there's an obvious solution here. So for, for folks who aren't aware, and for some reason, this is like in the zeitgeist like right now, I've noticed. Like I looked and there's like three other podcasts that put out a podcast like last week about this. <laughs> and... There's a national or not, yeah, National Geographic article that just came out two days ago um, about oh. like the actual like they've found a conclusion for what happened. They think. Oh, I didn't know there was an update. I'm excited. So yeah. So, um, anyways, for people who don't know what this is and didn't randomly see a cracked article 13 years ago or listen to these other podcasts, <laughs> the Dyatlov Pass incident occurred in Dyatlov Pass, Russia. Could you believe that that's what it's called? <laughs> You're blowing my brains here, yeah, buddy. I know. This is where it gets interesting. Uh, it was <laughs> just kidding. Um, <laughs> This happened between February 1st and 2nd, 1959. Um, There were 10 hikers. It was eight men and two women. All of them were like grade two advanced hikers. Like they knew what they were doing. The only reason they were at this place was to get their like grade three certification, which is the highest grade you could possibly get. So they're all very knowledgeable of the terrain, yada, 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 mountain stuff. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Yes, Um, yes. They were at the yada yada level. Yeah. They're very smart. They, they're, they're all those like annoying REI nerds who like go to yeah. the freaking climb the wall. I'm like, can you stop posting that on Instagram? I'm over it. <laughs> I don't so, want to go on a hike with you. Yeah, stop. <laughs> I'm not. I don't want to go adventuring. No. Okay. Spelunking? More like sp boring. <laughs> I don't. Spelunking? <laughs> yeah. Oh, there it is. Hey. Uh, Points. Points. Dang. Um, So there's actually one guy in the group who, like, didn't... They bailed. Like, on January 28th, a couple days before they actually got to the the ridge, this person had issues with their joints. They had, like, joint pain. Not joints in the cool way. Um, (laughs) They had had joint pain and turned back. So, like, imagine when you hear more about this, how lucky that person was to have joint pain. I was going to um, say, did he have some sort of joint pain and premonition? <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. Yeah, he had a congenital heart defect and rheumatism. Um, so he turned Ooh. back because his <laughs> knee hurt. I That'll guess, keep you off the mountain. Yeah. Yeah. So the rest of the group continued toward the, the pass and they like got to where they wanted to set up camp on February 1st. So they set up camp. I guess you have to like... I've never gone, I don't go on mountains. I've been camping like once and my sister peed in the tent and we're like, we're never going camping again. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) How old was she? She's three years older than me, so she was older than I was. Oh no! You hate to see an older sister do that. (laughs) Yeah, it was was weird. Uh, (laughs) You hate to have pee in the tent. I really relate to that. I really like, because I... (laughs) I once tried to like squat uh, outside on one of those faded camping trips and just peed all over my pajamas. (laughs) Luckily it was outside and I had other like things to wear, but it was just like, God damn it. (laughs) I'm not equipped for this. (laughs) Yeah. It's not for me. I have a whole story about me pooping in my pants like that, but that's, we'll say that for another podcast, huh? 
<laughs> yeah, that's that's for our our Patreon podcast scat chat. <laughs> yeah, for anything poop. Uh, <laughs> I'll cover. Poopy, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's let's table that for now. But <laughs> good yeah. idea. But yes, let's let's get let's get anything poop slash scat mm-hmm. chat on the. Bo- I'm, I'm ready. So anyways, what I was trying to say was they had to like uh, chisel into like this snow peak or whatever to set up their tent. So they did that. And I guess, you know, they know what they're doing. So that shouldn't cause any issues, right? Chiseling into a slope or whatever shouldn't cause any problems. So anyways. (laughs) um, (laughs) I'm skeptical. Yeah. (laughs) uh, So, uh, oh, you know, another weird thing too that like, I, li- I listened to one of the many podcasts that came out recently about this. I think it was called Something Spooky. Oh, or something we can like link that. to it in the show um, notes. Yeah. And they were saying that the tents that they were using, they had like stoves or something built into them that were wow. created by the guy Dyatlov himself. But I couldn't find it mentioned literally in any other thing that I read. So I'm like, kind of like, how? Do, where did you get this from? Like, I, I, I couldn't uh-huh. figure it out. So some people are saying that there's like stoves built into this that like you have to like shut it down uh, at a right way or else the flame could get in your tent and some shit could go down. So that's <laughs> something to just put in your brain also here as I continue on with this long meandering thing that I'm doing, which is called talking. Uh, <laughs> but anyways... Several weeks went went by with no contact from any of the hikers. Like all of a sudden, just it was all, nothing was going on. They were supposed to like write a letter when they got to the top to send to the Ural Polytech College athletic people who they promised (laughs) they would talk to um, because that's the college they all went to. On February 26th, so this would be like 24, 25 days later, a search party actually found the camp. The first thing they discovered was the tent, which was covered in a thick snow, but it was kind of peeking out like the tent bars were peeking out. Mm-hmm. Um, when they went in uh, the collapsed tent, everything was still organized like normal, like everything looked perfectly normal, all put in organized positions. Mm-hmm. Um, there was tears from the inside of the tent. Oh. Um, so nobody like zippered up the thing. I don't know if there was, again, I don't even know <laughs> what camping is. <laughs> Do tents have zippers? I don't know. Um, yeah, I would hope so. Yeah, I think so. No, you have Current to. Tents no, do. Jordan, you have to cut yourself out every time. Oh, so this isn't weird then that there's tears from inside the tent? Just no, it's that, super then. normal. <laughs> uh, the following, so I, I guess, oh, I don't guess. I have it written right here. There was nine pairs of footprints leading away from the tent into nearby woods. And what's weird about it is they were like just normal, just casual footprints, people were saying. Like it, it didn't oh. look like anyone was sprinting out of the tent or was afraid of anything. It was just orderly footsteps just walking in a line to the to the forest. Uh, That's so creepy. Weren't they barefoot too? So there were, a lot of them were like undressed or not fully clothed. Like some were just in their underwear or just in like a shirt other people were wearing everything there's a thing called um shit i can't remember the words of what it's called paradoxical paradoxical undressing is what it's called and a lot of people who have like hypothermia or something they feel like they're burning and super hot so they get naked and then Mm -hmm. die 
Yeah, I was um, going to say that's one of the last kind of like steps in like hypothermia is you think you're really warm and so you take off all your clothes and then that is your demise. <laughs> right. So they know for a fact that six of these people died of hypothermia. There were three other people that died from physical trauma, they say. Mm -hmm. And some of the people that died from physical trauma were wearing the other people's clothing. Like they like oh. took their clothes and stuff. So maybe they weren't. Oh, like one died. They died first and they're like, oh, I got to take their clothes to stay warm. Maybe. Well, we hope so. Oh. We, hope that's why. <laughs> we don't know. So yeah, so the, the footsteps were all orderly and it went to like this cedar tree that was like 100 yards away, 75 to 100 yards away. And when they followed those steps, they immediately found two bodies at the campfire. And the bodies at the campfire were wearing like an undershirt, underpants, no socks, no winter coat, nothing. And the cedar tree that they were next to showed signs that it may have likely been climbed too. Like there were broken branches up to 15 feet high. But the people at the campfire, they were two of the six mm -hmm. that died of hypothermia. Also evidently like the, it was like 30 degrees below zero. Like it was super, you know, it was cold. It was, um, it was Russia level cold. Yeah, it was Russia 1959 mountain cold. <laughs> it can't be good. Yeah. Um, it took two months to find the other bodies though. Um, oh, and crazy. So three bodies were under several feet of snow, like facing the tent, um, but oh. still like just buried. Like you wouldn't have been able to see them. Mm -hmm. And these were probably likely coming back to the tent from like the camp place but died of hypothermia. They also had no boots, jackets, or anything like that either. Four of the five people who died were determined as intoxicated at the time of death. There was just four of five that were dead. I don't know what that <laughs> means. It's just an interesting thing <laughs> that, that I- were plain dead. I'm just like, it's weird that these people are like there to get this certificate. By all accounts, they're very like serious and into this thing. So to, for them to just be like, we're going to get shit-faced tonight, why not? It just seems kind of weird. Yeah. Um, by April, the last four hikers were found at the bottom of a small ravine under about 10 feet of snow, 75 yards from the tree in the opposite direction of the tent. Three of these four had lethal injuries. One had a fractured skull. Two others broke ribs and internal bleeding. And the medical examiner believed that the force required for these injuries would be that of a car crash. So it's not like a other, another person could, could do this to someone. Wow. Also, more fun facts here. Two of the four people had their eyes removed. One other person ah! had a missing tongue Ooh. and a right. uh, uh. broken nose and an injured neck. And yeah, it's like some of these injuries, like the broken nose and the injured neck, it like didn't kill them necessarily. But it makes me think too, like of all these things, like eyes being removed, missing tongue. Like it took these people 25 days or more, actually months to find these bodies. So my guess is, even though this is crazy, some animal had to have probably like scavenged your eyeballs. Yeah, out. yeah, um, that's. I would bet on scavengers for that because those are the yeah, gushy parts. Exactly, but it's still horrifying. Um, Scary. To think about. So yeah, in, in all, one victim had a major skull damage. Two had severe chest trauma. Another had a small crack in the skull. Four bodies were found lying in a running water in a creek, and three of those had soft tissue damage of the head and face. Two of the bodies were missing their eyes, like I said, missing tongue. And then one was missing their eyebrows. Their eyebrows? Yeah, why not? Why not? <laughs> why not, let's, right? Let's get really weird with it. 
Yeah. That well, is, you know. I did not know that and I hate that. Yeah. Yeah. That one <laughs> yeah. really stuck out at me. Like maybe someone just wanted to shave someone's eyebrows or something. I don't know. Does it, it say was... if it was the person that also had their eyes removed also had the eyebrows or it doesn't it say? It didn't specify. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> The only specification was the person who had their tongue removed also had internal bleeding and they uh. didn't know if that was they just swallowed the blood from the tongue which would yeah. make it seem that like it was maybe fresh then in that situation so yeah there wouldn't be a crazy amount of bleeding if they were already dead when their tongue got right. got ate or uh, cut out or whatever happened to it yeah so now that i think about that that's kind of scary who knows yeah oh you know, another crazy element to this. So there's all sorts of like, I mean, I'm sure you guys know, there's all sorts of speculation about what the hell happened out there that doesn't really make sense. Like mm -hmm. another thing to add to that is that there's trace amounts of radioactivity on some of the bodies. Oh, yeah. Um, Ooh. So it was like not insane amounts of radioactivity. It's, it wasn't enough to kill someone or be crazy, but it is still it was an abnormal amount. I was reading one of the articles and say, and they said that it could be from the thorium from a camping lantern, which is evidently a radioactive element. Yeah. <laughs> and they were just playing with it? Like, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe like or, back then, yeah. like well, the, they just had shitty lanterns with bad yeah. radioactive stuff. And <laughs> I was going to say, it's 50s Russia. Like their camping shit is not safe. Like, exactly. Yeah. They couldn't go to REI. No. Yeah, their old stuff had asbestos, so they're like, nah, we gotta do thorium. <laughs> thorium, that's better. And then later we'll just go around just putting radium in our mouths. Yeah, for exactly. Fun. Sounds good, right? Sounds yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. So with the whole radioactivity thing, there's speculation that there might have been some Soviet military tests going on over there that might have spooked them or done something crazy to them or something. Like uh, there, it, there was confirmed Soviet parachute mine exercises going on at that time. Which, Casual. what does that even mean? I don't know. <laughs> um, Am I parachuting into a mine? Yeah, I'm <laughs> like, not sure. Like, is it the mine coming? Is are they draw? Wait, that's a bomb. If you yeah. parachute a mine, that's a bomb, isn't I, it? I, you'd think so. Yeah, these explosive men are parachuting into that mine and exploding. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, this theory, the, the military test theory, they say that like the hikers were woken by loud explosions. They fled their tent in a panic. That's why they weren't wearing clothes and found themselves unable to return for supply retrieval. And then after some, some of them froze to death, attempting to endure the bombardment that they thought was happening. Shit. Others <laughs> took their clothing only to be fatally injured by subsequent parachute mine concussions. So it's like the explosions are fucking with them so much that they ran out and then got like fucked up by the explosions while yeah. hiding. Like that has to be, can you just put yourself in that situation though? Like you wake up in the middle of the night thinking you're like getting bombed or something, but you're also on a fucking mountain in like zero degree weather. I can't imagine, man. I would just There's no help. Back to sleep. No, 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 yeah. no, no, no. Go right back to sleep. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna strangle myself. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't know. I when I was a teenager, me and my friend Jackie went into San Francisco for New Year's Eve and we were hanging out 
down on the Embarcadero with like everybody who was gathering for the fireworks. And we ended up smoking some strangers weed. Uh Um, And it either had something in it or we were babies and we got too high and we got to a place. We were also, I think we were also drinking at the time. So we were so crossfaded. We kind of forgot it was New Year's Eve and we were trying to get back to the BART train and all these explosions started happening and we got really scared and like sat in a planter box for a little bit and we got back on the BART train and I was in a big fur coat and I was just sweating and I was just like oh oh we gotta get away (laughs) oh no so I imagine it was uh that was, you know, one one millionth of the yeah. disorientation these people may have experienced. Yeah, I'm glad you survived, Sophie. <laughs> yeah, running Good through job. the streets of San Francisco, running from fireworks. Jesus Christ, you could have got hypothermia. It's oh. true! On the mean streets of SF. You could have fallen in the bay. You could have fallen in the bay. Well, actually, all of the, like, BART stations were closed along the route that we were going, because... It was just like to funnel people away from certain stations, but we were getting totally lost because we were like, like, the BART's not working. What's Uh, going on? Because that has to be connected to the assault that San Francisco is currently under during that Yes. Yes. The aerial assault from the glitter people. (laughs) (laughs) My God. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Back to what I was saying. Sorry. Yes. Uh, I was getting lost in the San Francisco underbelly and the blibbity blop. Um, <laughs> so we touched upon the military test thing. Like that's pretty much what they, what, what some people think was going on there. Kind of to like counter off of that, just some other weird facts that kind of are related to this. There was a 12 year old named Yuri Kuncevich. I think I nailed that. Who attended the the funeral for the hikers that died and he recalled seeing that their skin had a deep brown tan uh which seems weird another group of hikers at that time reported that they saw strange orange spheres in the sky to the north on the night of the incident similar spheres were observed in a nearby adjacent area continually during the period from february to march of 1959 by various independent witnesses including the meteorology service and the military these sightings were noted in the original investigation. So there wasn't an individual. I'm sorry to just keep bouncing around on this, but there was no. an original investigation of this in 1959 after the shit went down. Mm-hmm. And the quote, oh, I got to find the quote because it's dumb. <laughs> this is the episode of quotes that are dumb. <laughs> yeah, it was from like the Russian investigators and they were like saying, God damn it, what is it? Uh, hold on, I got to fucking Google my own thing now. Oh, now I can't even do it. It's fine. They said it was like a weird, like supernatural thing and they just didn't look into it any further. Like it was uh-huh. like some otherworldly event happened. Anyways. Yeah, we can't figure it out. So it's didn't, done. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, didn't peace. kill them or anything. Yep, bye. So there was that kid who saw their crazy ass skin. Can I say something about the crazy ass skin? Yeah. So, like, that just makes me think that, so, like, some of the bodies were out there in the snow for a while, right? Mm -hmm. Like, they probably were mummified to a certain degree. Yeah, that's my, that would make a lot of sense. Well, Um, why are they having an open casket funeral also for this? Like, it just, I don't get it. Yeah, 
why and why let your this child see that yeah why is the only one reporting it a 12 year old that's my question as well well i will point back to the child dickens who watched the execution that's true children are the future yeah they're the future (laughs) let them look upon death Well, it's just wild, all these like UFO sightings going on. Like there were other reports at like exactly the same time, like on February 1st, 1959, three groups unrelated to the group recently reported seeing UFOs, orbs of light streaking across the sky for seconds, sometimes minutes. And one of the groups was a group of soldiers and the other group was a group of unrelated hikers reporting the same thing. It's just Mm, fucking weird. Yeah. So people really think that UFOs had something to play with this. Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I don't know if I buy that. I'd love to though. That um, would explain the eyebrows because I feel like that's an alien thing. That's like true. Like what's this? Gonna I'm gonna take them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've never seen these before. <laughs> yeah, there's like other other people think that it was like infrasound, like yeah, crazy sounds making you go crazy. That's the one that fascinates me the most is that like the mountains are like in a certain formation that when the wind comes through, it creates this like low frequency sound that like makes people flip the fuck out. Like that's, that's nuts to me. Cause like, I feel like that would be the most arresting of like, suddenly I feel really restless and suddenly like I have to get out of here. Like, I feel like that's also like a, how some people try to explain like haunted houses and stuff. Like some sounds in houses can make people go crazy and do bad things or something. But that might also just be the movie Hereditary. Infrasound's fucking wild, especially like, so there's the the claim here is that because of the panic from the physical discomfort and mental distress from the sounds, they just fucking bolted it into the woods and fled down that slope. And some of them like fell off the slope and that's why they have the internal injuries. They just biffed it off the ledge and just... (laughs) Uh, like lemmings, you know? Um, <laughs> so that's another thing that could have happened. But then, according to the Na- uh, National Geographic, I keep almost saying National Enquirer every time. <laughs> so bad. That's um, ancient oranges all over again. <laughs> yeah. Basically, and like this was the other thing too, like even back uh, initially, they were like, it was an avalanche that killed them. That's Mm -hmm. it. It was an avalanche. Just deal with it. Okay. (laughs) So National Geographic did a whole, like they hooked up with some scientists and data researchers who presented data that points to the fact that it was a bizarrely small and delayed avalanche that may have been that that is most likely what was responsible for it so i in looking into what the hell that means um (laughs) uh, i kind of came across some other information about similar like delayed avalanches like there is proof out there that there was an avalanche that occurred the basis of it was an earthquake that happened the day prior so like something happened previously could still happen or cause an effect on the mountain or so you're so maybe the act of chiseling into the mountain or putting your stove in there somehow Mm -hmm. yep caused Caused a chain reaction that fucked them up oh Mm -hmm. my god so what you're saying is that the aliens shot lasers into the side of the mountain and then the next day the Mm -hmm. avalanche you got it (laughs) yeah no it it seems as though and and they keep saying in in all this this whole article and the other stuff that i've read about this this is like super rare 
And they kept they keep saying it's super rare, but that doesn't mean that it didn't happen this time. Yeah. And it only could have happened at this specific thing, uh, at this ex- this <laughs> specific moment. Like the actual quote, what is it? The avalanche that appears to have occurred on February 1st, 1959 on Colat Cycle was an incredibly rare type of event, but rare events do occur. And this one could have come to pass only at that exact point, at that exact moment during that one very wintry night. That's dramatic. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then they go on. This is also kind of funny and sad. Some in Russia have voiced the opinion that these hikers had taken stupid or unnecessary risks that ultimately killed them. This kind of tarnishes their legacy, says Puzrin. He was like one of the main researchers whose study shows that this freak avalanche would have surprised mountaineering experts with a lifetime of experience. So this could have happened to anybody. Yeah. The Diet Love team members were very competent people who would never have foreseen the danger of clearing a space for their tent on what looked like a gentle slope leading to their deaths. So Hmm. I think the moral of this story is even if you think you know what you're doing, you don't and you probably shouldn't do it. (laughs) (laughs) Just stay home. Yes. Yes. Please. That wild and crazy thing that you want to do, that record you want to break, don't. Bro, just settle for (laughs) grade two hiking certificate. You don't need grade three. Okay. Trust me. Yeah. People will eventually respect you less. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, there's also a, a something else I found. I think there's a horror movie called Devil's Pass that's about the Dyatlov Pass incident, but it's a horror movie. Um, oh. Check it out. It's I saw the preview for it, and it looks kind of like that one cave movie, The Descent. Oh yeah, uh, it's got similar like white weird monster guys. <laughs> it looks good. It looks <laughs> I kind of love that because like. I would love it to be crazy snow monsters. I would love it to be a Yeti, you know? Yeah, me too. But it's just evidently just people being stupid, unfortunately. And extremely specific avalanches. Yeah. It's like if they put their tent like a foot over, they would have been fine, it sounds like. It's really bad luck. Yeah, God. To me, that doesn't explain why some of them were radioactive, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the thing, too. Like, even in the National Geographic article, again, <laughs> almost National Choir, <laughs> they say that this whole thing does not explain away any of the, like, tongues being ripped out yeah. or the radioactivity that you mentioned. But, yeah, I don't know. I still feel like some shit had to have... I feel like some shit had to have gone down. I mean, outside part, of an avalanche. I mean, part of me thinks that maybe they got into some sort of disagreement and like had some sort of fight, especially if they were drinking. They could have gotten into some sort of disagreement. You know, one of them, you know, says, fuck you, cuts out the tent, goes running into the thing. They're like, wait, Yuri, come back. And everybody goes out to to look for them. That's why the, the footsteps are so deliberate. And then they can't, in a big snowstorm you cannot find your way back you know yeah yeah i don't know it's the other thing too it's like from all accounts everyone was like super professional super like straight edge like they were like there was no sex nobody had crushes on anybody it was like why is this (laughs) even a part of what i'm reading but cool i'm glad that you yeah they're just there to hike yeah exactly so (laughs) they were all wholesome and chaste right yeah so i don't i don't know what's going i don't 
just the whole cutting your tent from the inside is pretty strange. Yeah, um, that's a pretty extreme, especially given the climate that right. they were and in. If they wanted to come back, you know, like, what are you going to do? Patch that shit up? That's, yeah. Um, yeah. You'd have to be pretty the, desperate. But with the orderly footprints, what the fuck is that? You, you yeah. slash your tent open and then calmly walk away? That's so <laughs> yes. weird. Single file line to the cedar tree. <laughs> well, but it was probably thick snow. So how quickly can you run in thick snow? Yeah, for right. sure. I don't uh, but, know. We could do I, this all fucking day. Yeah. And just like be like, no, I'm actually going to bring up this point and I'm going to play devil's advocate. <laughs> I'm going to go with the eyebrow shaving aliens. <laughs> I just think if, if it was, I, I don't think it would have been noteworthy for them to mention that there were orderly footsteps if that's like normal in yeah, fair, snow fair. times. Mm-hmm. But you're right. Like try fucking, I can't run and I can't run in not snow. <laughs> so what are you going to do in snow? Yeah, yeah. Jordan, what you going to do? Fucking walk. S- slide. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a penguin. I'm going to slide on my tum-tum. Yeah, I'm going to waddle and then tum-tum slide. <laughs> Get away from me, radioactive Yeti. Goodbye. Yes, yes. <laughs> Well, good yeah. job. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah. yeah, of course. I'm sure there's more. Yeah, check out all the shit on the Dyatlov Pass. Definitely check out that National Geographic article. Uh, it's very interesting. But thank you. Is that an orangina? <laughs> <laughs> no, it is a, a 7-Eleven brand uh, mango sparkling water. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. It looks like an orangina. I was excited. I love orangina. <laughs> Hey, excuse me, it's Orangina around these parts. Excuse me, I've been to France, okay? <laughs> no. Excuse me, we're an Orangina family. Yeah, I'm sorry. Isn't that a PepsiCo product? It's not a France. <laughs> I don't even know. I'm full of bubbles. Caitlin, what's your shirt? It's, uh, do you know who uh, Paul Holes and Billy Jensen are? I don't, but I like it. Yeah, it's a, they have a podcast, and I just liked this shirt. Uh, Paul Holes was instrumental in catching the Golden State Killer. Oh, tight. Yeah, so it's a cool podcast. Was um, it, Paul, it was like Paul Holes and then uh, Patton Oswalt. Yeah, 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 yeah. Michelle McNamara. Yeah. Nice. Oh, that doc. If you like. Uh, I need to. Joe I never. Great... Yeah, I think that was like early quarantine or something. And at that point, yeah. my brain was like, I don't want to fucking be in my home. Like, I don't. No, I don't want to. Sometimes when I'm sad, I gravitate towards really fucked up stuff because it's like, it's worse than the situation that I'm in. So it like gives me perspective or something. Or it'll just bring me down into a vortex of depression. Mm -hmm. But I, (laughs) you take that chance all the time. I've gotten better about it. But yeah, that documentary is really good. And yeah, Yeah, Michelle McNamara was a really amazing person. Yeah. My mom, see that, and that was a thing, like I told my mom, I was like, you got to get this book. And she was like, I've already read it, dude. I was like, oh, Oh. (laughs) (laughs) that's her with everything. She's already read everything. I'm done. But she saw that documentary too. Oh God. I tried to read it. It's really hard to get through. Yeah, I can't. Like, it's just so. Freaks me out the most. So from the frozen mountains of Russia to the sunny hills of L.A., Ah. Uh, we're going to be talking about the divine order of the royal arms of the great 11. Hell what? Yeah. 
or the Blackburn cult. Cool. I love cults. Yeah. Again, I was looking through our pre-show conversation and I knew before that that you loved cults because as I kind of referenced earlier, I was on Everything's Fine Tonight Live with one of my other creative partners, Sam Dombowski, who was on this, who was our first guest on this podcast. And we were pitching our cult scalazerism. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> remember to notice nutrition. Of course. Uh, notice nutrition. <laughs> <laughs> so I was a little bit inspired by, by that to bring this story to you. My sources were Wikipedia, an article from The Lineup, an article from Gizmodo.com, L.A. Almanac, Historical Crime Detective, Samuelfort.com, TheGreatCoursesDaily.com, and L.A. Times. So in 1922, on Bunker Hill in Los Angeles, California, May Otis Blackburn and her daughter Ruth began to receive revelations that came directly from the angels Gabriel and Michael. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. According I'm on board. I'm so on board right now. I, I hope I'm gonna I gotta mute myself or I'll just keep saying hell yeah after everything. <laughs> <laughs> no, that uh, gets yeah. Murder, hell yeah. Hell I love yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> Eleven, we got this. Hell yeah. We got this. Blackburn and her daughter thought that they were the two witnesses that were first seen by John of Pat Patmos. Patmos? in a vision as described in the book of revelation so they think that they are two people mentioned in the bible i Uh, think is may i remind everyone again i'm jewish i don't know about the bible Uh, i'm also jewish so i can't vouch for any of this either caitlin I'm agnostic. I am nothing. It's because yeah, Caitlin's a Quaker. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, my mom was baptized a Quaker, but I don't. I don't really have an affiliation. For being honest, sorry. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, so Blackburn and her daughter are claiming to be these people who are mentioned in the Bible, and they claimed that Gabriel and Michael were dictating a book to them that revealed all of the secrets of the universe and that when this book was completed, the seventh seal would break in heaven and an apocalyptic event would occur on earth. And the book was going to be called The Seventh Trumpet of Gabriel, though it was later changed to The Great Sixth Seal, which I think was a publisher's decision. Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) They were like, let's go ahead, let's tighten that up. Isn't that a whole different number too? What was the first one? Was this number seven involved? The first, the OG title is The Seventh Trumpet of Gabriel. Yeah, The Seventh Trumpet of Gabriel. And then they were like, actually, let's lose the seven and say the sixth seal. It's the great sixth seal. We don't need yeah. to go all the way to seven. What? Weird. Do they care about numbers at all? <laughs> like they're pretty relaxed about the all the numbers. True. There's there's going to be a lot of numbers in this story. <laughs> That's true. That's true. And we 11. can't be holding these ladies to it. Okay. All right. <laughs> also interesting about this book is that the great sixth seal would also reveal lost measurements that would point to hidden riches and oil deposits. Whoa. So is so, this like map, like map measurements? Is that... It's, it's like God is sending you a secret message to where all the good stuff is. A treasure map? Yeah, from the Lord. Okay. One might say. 
So 41-year-old Matilda May Otis Blackburn and her 24-year-old daughter Ruth created an organization or a, a group called the Divine Order of the Royal Arms of the Great Eleven. And that name refers to the vision that, that Blackburn had that after the Great Apocalypse, 11 queens would rule the world from big old mansions on Olive Hill in Hollywood. <laughs> Which, okay. Honestly, I'm yeah. here for this. Yeah. Girl can cool. dream. Yeah, get me one of them big old mansions. I'll rule the world. Does this kind of sound like a CW show? It does. <laughs> well, it's With reminding me of actually an HBO show. I know Sophie hasn't seen this, but Perry Mason. They did oh, yeah. a remake of oh, Perry Mason. Or, yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I think it was on HBO. And there was a character who was this daughter, but she was the leader of the church because she had all these visions and her mom was her right-hand man. I don't know. Sorry. You huh. got this out. <laughs> I wonder if I'm just I'm putting it together. I wonder if that character in Perry is at all based on this because it's I'm yeah. I think it definitely probably <laughs> is because this is very I can see this being excellent fodder for like noir type um, yeah. mystery drama. So May and her daughter Ruth had begun calling themselves the Queen and High Priestess, and then they of course start recruiting followers because you course. know to have. A cult, you gotta have your followers. And as cults do, I wrote, and as cults do, they begun asking their followers for money to do their godly yeah. work. <laughs> Hell <laughs> yeah, yep. I mean, that's, come on, that's what you gotta do. That's what you gotta do. And Ruth was particularly good at this. She was a failed film actress and a, quote, dancer. Um, <laughs> which... Your face, your face was like, <laughs> she's not a dancer. <laughs> Well, they kept referring to her as it was implied that she was a dancer and called her a taxi dancer, which I feel is. like is maybe some sort of old-timey way of saying sex worker. Sex worker, yeah. yeah. I could see that. Yeah, them That's trying to cover up what's actually going on with yeah, some weird but, language. So what year was this again? Worker. This 1920s. Okay, so that makes yeah. sense. She's a taxi dancer, see? Like, that sounds, yeah. <laughs> she's a to taxi me... dancer, see? She's a lawn bowler, see? <laughs> <laughs> to me, that just screams repression. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah, so every time I call her a dancer, know that that is antiquated terminology. Mm -hmm. We're not sure about that. Got it. <laughs> yeah, because I, you know, we don't know one way or the other if she was a sex worker, but... If she was, it's nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. um, but she was really great at attracting the fellas and taking their cash, nice. um, which is a good good skill to have. Um, <laughs> and she had a lot of rich suitors, so she was not short for people who were willing to give her money to to further her cause. But one Blackburn devotee who put a lot of money into this operation was Clifford Dabney. Just a quick note on this, kind of back to what you were saying a little bit, Jordan. I have seen his name Dabney and Babney with a D and with a B. Mm, so I'm going to go with Dabney. All right. Yeah, and hell yeah. There's dabs going on. For all the youths. For the youths, for the teens <laughs> yeet. on TikTok. Yeet, yeet, bay. Yeet, yeet, bay. TikTok. On the clock. Nope, that's old. That's an old song called TikTok. 
we're, <laughs> we're getting old. <laughs> okay, but Dabney, Babney, Babney, Dabney. <laughs> he was the nephew of an oil magnate, and he gave Blackburn over $50,000 in cash and assets, which today would be about $651,185. Damn. Not bad. Hell yeah. So not bad, not I'd bad. Take that. Yeah. Hell yeah. And in return for his investments, he was promised a first look at the book and all of those lost measurements, i.e., the treasure mm-hmm. map from mm-hmm. the Lord to the oil and the gold and stuff. So he would get to look at that ahead of the book's publication. And again, in addition to the money, he also gave Blackburn 164 acres of land in Santa Susana area of the Simi Valley in Ventura County to do with what she pleased. Wow. Yeah. So that's where you're going to put those, uh, those God mansions, huh? Absolutely, but they weren't God mansions. First, they were cabins. Because <laughs> you gotta evolve. <laughs> you, you gotta evolve. You gotta evolve. Because after some time of like accumulating money and followers, they had to have somewhere to go, right? So Blackburn and her much younger husband, Ward Sitton Blackburn, who. <laughs> Who May called North Star of the World. Oh, Oh, how was his character? (laughs) I'm guessing weak. (laughs) Poor guy. Poor guy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we are just, I'm sorry. He he may have been perfectly (laughs) splendid. No, I'm... Imagining him like an absolute noodle. Yeah, it's safe to <laughs> safe to assume he was a piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, That's I, how I like to live my life. Yeah, I mean, come on. 1920s man, piece yeah. of shit. Yeah. <laughs> piece of shit. But he did help her and her cult members build a series of small cabins on that donated property. And members would live on the in these little tiny dirty cabins and then they would go to work at uh, tomato packing plants and then of course they would give all their paychecks over to the blackbirds of Mm. course of course because they don't need the money they're awaiting the return of christ duh but at night is when the real party would happen because at night cult members would don robes and participate in rituals in a little amphitheater that was on the property. And they are said to have been doing some pretty wild shit. They sacrificed mules. Oh, that's uh, not cool. <laughs> it's not cool. And then God. they would, and then they would, no, it's okay because after that they would dance naked. Okay, now we're now we're back on track. <laughs> now we're back on track. <laughs> back, I'm back in. But they would do some stuff that was not as fun as sacrificing mules and dancing naked because there was a cult member named Frances Turner and she was a woman who was paralyzed and Blackburn thought that she could cure her by putting her in a makeshift oven for two <gasps> days. What the fuck? This did not succeed in curing her, but it did succeed in killing her. Wow. Yep. What the fuck? Wait, did they, and then did she say anything after? She's like, oh, never mind. 
Guess I can't do it. Let's move on. <laughs> I don't know. She thought she had a lot of wild powers and a bunch of other, like, she thought that she could resurrect people. Shit, this really, I'm sorry. This is all connecting to the Perry Mason show wow. I was just talking about. Literally, yeah, she tried in the show, she tries to cure somebody with uh, in a wheelchair by speaking in tongues with them, I think. And she s- claims she's going to bring a baby back to life. So this is like wow. completely what this character in Perry Mason was based on. And it's blowing my mind. Yeah, this this woman is wild. And there's it's said that there were four other cult members who mysteriously disappeared. Uh-oh. Uh, and that would include Ruth's husband, Samuel Rizzio. And he went missing after allegedly striking his wife. And it's said that May Blackburn probably poisoned him, but they've never found his body. So she I mean, did a she did a good job because yeah, nobody this, never, nobody knows. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Again, this is a good thing, right? <laughs> like this yes. is a cool cult. So was he a piece of shit? We don't know. Probably. <laughs> I mean, I think they all were. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's that old great fun question of like, is it okay to kill your abuser? Who knows? It's a great moral quandary. Fun ponderables. Just don't kill mules. Like that's my only issue with this group so far. (laughs) You're about to maybe have more. (laughs) Wait, wait, there's more? (laughs) Oh, there's so much more. Because we're going to switch over kind of to a little bit of a story within a story here about a young woman named Willa Rhodes. She was born in 1907 to a teen mom, Iva, and she apparently was the child of this uh, young teenage girl and a prominent man in Southern Oregon society. So she was a little bit of a, a scandalous love child. But then she was adopted by William and Martha Rhodes, and Willa was exceptionally intelligent and likable. She was a bright student, but she had a remarkable attachment to her religion. She was homeschooled by her mother, which really fostered a strong religious uh, sense in Willa. And they were, of course, members of the, uh, of the Great Eleven. And in November of 1924, when Willa was 16, her parents left Oregon for Los Angeles to join up with the Great Eleven. And May Blackburn had designated Willa as one of the Great Queens. And so, of course, Willa had to be reunited with the other 10 queens, right? It's ridiculous that she lived somewhere else, right? Uh, Yeah. I mean, they got to be in the same hood. Yeah. And then, so once she settled in LA, Grandma, quote, uh, Jeannie Blackburn, who I think is is maybe the mother of Mae Blackburn. I'm not sure how she's related, but she did give Willa seven puppies who... She then, Willa named them after the musical scale, Do, Re, Mi, Fa, So, La, and Ti. On New Year's Day of 1925, 16-year-old cult princess Willa Rhodes died of a severe tooth infection that went untreated. Queen May Blackburn insisted that the girl had perished from wrongful belief. Ah, why? What? Where did the puppies fit in? Why were there puppies? The I'm puppies afraid. will come back. Yeah, I'm, oh, just, I'm okay. scared of how they're going to come back. But. I think they're going to go the same way as the mules, honestly. No, no. 
So Blackburn reassured the devastated parents, she said, and all the other cult members, because Willow Rhodes will be resurrected after 1,260 days had passed and after her book was published. Oh, of course. (laughs) Jesus Christ. And all they had to do was preserve her body. Easy. Easy. And this is a quote. I'm going to read you guys a quote from LAAlmanac.com. Quote, the deceased girl's body was immediately placed in a bathtub to be preserved with ice, spices, and salt. Fourteen months later. Ew. When the girl's parents moved back to Los Angeles into a home in Venice, they brought Willa's preserved body with them, and then they placed it in a metal coffin beneath the floor of their house. Adjacent to her coffin was placed another coffin containing the sacrificed bodies of her seven puppies. God damn it! (laughs) Said to represent the seven tones of the angel Gabriel's trumpet. Back on the trumpet bullshit. Yikes. What spices do you put? (laughs) (laughs) Like, (laughs) what what spice? (laughs) I don't know, cinnamon? (laughs) I'm so confused. Dillweed. What's the point? (laughs) Yeah. Garlic salt. Yeah, I don't know. What's what's the onion powder? (laughs) I did read a little excerpt from the book The Cult of the Great Eleven by Samuel Ford that Willow was preserved with about 600 pounds of ice a week. Yeah, that must have been quite a task for months to keep her on ice. Yeah, and her like coffin was lined with copper. And they made sure to make it like airtight. And there was like a vault underneath the floor. Like it wasn't just a hole. It was like reinforced, compact, like dirt. They, they, you know. Imagine dying. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say, imagine like being like, okay, there's a vault down here. We got to break in. We're going to get in there. We're going to steal all this money. And then you get in there with all your pals, you Ocean's Elevens, this shit. You get in there, you open it up, and it's this dead girl covered in like cardamom and (laughs) star anise. Cinnabar, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That would be so Uh, fucked up. And her seven dead dogs. Yeah, that too. The worst. Uh, yeah, I actually, I have a picture of that um, that I'll send you, Caitlin, for the Instagram. I'll send okay. it to you, Jordan. The dogs? Uh, of, of the... Of everything? Yeah, spoiler alert, oh! they find everything. This. Yeah, because I mean, by 1929, Dabney Babney and some of the other Blackburn followers were sort of getting tired of waiting for her to publish her book and for Christ to come. Shocker. Uh, yeah. Shocker. Uh, so they filed charges of fraud and theft against them for as much as $200,000, which is approximately $3 million ish in today's wow. money. Yeah. Yikes. Wow. And of course, these allegations of fraud and theft led to more investigations of these unreported deaths mm-hmm. that were happening. So then they go and they find the mummified body of Willa underneath the house, of course, the cops. Mm -hmm. And her parents later testified that the burial was what made them lose faith in Mrs. Blackburn. But unfortunately, the autopsy revealed that the girl had died of natural causes, so they couldn't really take any legal action against her, I guess. Oh, shit. Even though, what, what, what about wrongful death? Yeah. 
or Maybe that wasn't a thing yet. Or what uh, about like being nasty to a corpse afterwards? Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> Abusive corpse law. Yeah, that's that is thing, a more right? eloquent way of saying it. Yeah. It is, but it's different in every state. Yeah, and who knows what it was at this point in the twenties. Maybe yeah. they use the right spices. I just can't stop talking about the cadaver <laughs> spice. <laughs> the freaking cadaver spice. Doesn't um, make me want to bake at all. <laughs> no. <laughs> In 1930, Blackburn was convicted on eight of 15 counts of grand theft, and she, but she remained out of jail on bond pending appeals. But then in 1931, the California Supreme Court threw out her conviction, ruling that the evidence in her conviction did not uh, support them having a case because she was protected under religious freedom. Oh, shit. Wow. This is the quote I want to end on, and it's from the LA Times. And it says, quote, this is a free country where there is freedom of religious worship, and it is not actionable to the court if the defendant made certain representations as to be divine. Damn. Boo. (laughs) Yeah. So she just, I mean, she just got away with everything. Yeah, she she eventually published her book and then died like a year later, I'm pretty sure. Wow. (laughs) And nothing, guess what? Nothing happened when she published the book. The world did not end. But is the does uh, the cult still around though? With when she died, or did it go with her? Was she the cult? No, basically? it died with her. Yeah, I think it fell apart after all the lawsuits because, like, she she took a lot of money from a lot of powerful people, and then the powerful right. people were like, "Hey, Christ never came. Yeah, we would like our money back. Yeah. <laughs> well, we got to bring it back then." You gotta bring it back, cinnamon, cinnabar, yeah. turmeric. I want to be pounds of ice. Yeah, I want to be smothered and covered in gravy when I die. <laughs> Noted. <laughs> Noted. Yeah. Hey, Jordan. Yes. What's your favorite bone? Yes. The tailbone, obviously. Oh, caboose. Has that, Sorry. <laughs> has that been said yet? The tailbone. No, no, it oh. hasn't. Yeah, I think the tailbone because uh, it it's a uh, false advertisement you know there's no tail <laughs> don't not some now. people have tails though like there I, are a few a select few but I, maybe yeah but that's not i don't that's think not that's not what you're interested in i don't <laughs> think that's the bone i don't know but <laughs> yeah definitely tailbone I, cool. I sit on it a lot and uh yeah 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 cool tailbone. yeah thank I love you it. for asking yeah. Well, thank you for being here. This was so much fun. Yeah, yeah this is great. Thanks, Jordan. Thank you both so much for having me. It's been a blast. Yeah. Um, I hope I didn't waste too much of your time. You didn't. No. <laughs> no you really been, didn't. Yeah, okay. fantastic. I yeah. wanted to say one. Oh, we got to ask what you want to plug. Oh, yeah. yeah. Check out my show, Everything's Fine Tonight, live with Jordan. We are on a break right now, but we are back March 20th at 8 p.m. Pacific time on twitch.tv. Find tonight live. Follow me on TikTok, <laughs> Jordum. Yes. My name with a zero for the O. <laughs> follow me on Twitter, Jordawesome. Uh, <laughs> follow me on Instagram, gorgeous underscore Jord. <laughs> and uh, go Mariners when sports starts. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Go and, Mariners. And, tw- and may I say, 12th man. <laughs> That's right, yes. Go Hawks but, as well. But it's over. They're done for now. Boom. <laughs> I wanted to say before we go, uh, something a little cool in my life. I yesterday got my second shot of the Moderna vaccine. Yeah. So oh, yeah. we're a podcast about bones and science. So I just thought I would share that with everybody that, you know, it's safe. Go get it when it's your turn. I think I've mentioned on the show before that I uh, work admin in a doctor's office. So as a healthcare worker, I was able to get it. So it's not scary and just do it, but try to do it on the weekend because you might feel like shit the next day. <laughs> nice. Cool. Are you are you doing okay today? Yeah, I'm just a little sweaty. <laughs> <laughs> My temperature is creeping up. I'm usually I sit around 91 or sorry, 91. Wow. Whoa. <laughs> I usually sit around 97.1, cause I work at a doctor's office, so I take my temperature every day. And the last time I took it when we before we recorded was ninety-eight seven. Oof. Uh, so yeah, Probably little body aches, little uh, chills, a uh, little bit of a headache, but it better. is worth it, people. Better than COVID. And yes. take it from me, I'm an anti-vaxer. I don't think you should get a vaccine. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) no jordan believes in vaccines (laughs) well thank you all yeah thank you for thank you for thank you for having us on your show Jordan. you know it's been a pleasure thanks for being here this has been bone the bone zone with jordan (laughs) (laughs) yes oh well From the Bone Zone with Jordan, I'm Sophie Schwartz, and I say bone voyage. And I'm Caitlin Hart, and I say it too. Goodbye. Bon appetit. That's it. (laughs) Thanks for listening to Anything Bones. Follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Anything Bones Podcast, or email us at anythingbonespodcast at gmail.com. Thank you to Nick Kruger for our spooky music and Stephen Vetteroff at Chubby Scrubby on Twitter for our jazzy vocals. And thank you to Camilla Franklin at Camilla Strader on Instagram for our beautiful bony artwork. Please rate, review, and subscribe. The seventh trumpet of Gabriel.